0: Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us for the Cosmic Weather Report. My name is Tayana David, and I'm just thrilled to dive into our program today. As those of you who have already watched all 10 episodes of Changing of the Gods, as you know, the series ended on a cliffhanger with the tailing off of the Uranus-Pluto world transit in early 2021, marked by, of course, the storming of the capital in the U.S., so now it's two years later. Uranus and Pluto are in a different configuration, which we're going to hear all about. We'll also learn about other major world transits for the next 10 or so years, and even examine the planetary returns of the US birth chart. Our discussion will last for about 90 minutes, at which time we'll be able to answer some of your questions. And um, what else to share? I think, I think it's time to introduce our luminaries. We have with us Richard Tarnas, who is a professor of psychology and cultural history at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco, where he founded the graduate program in philosophy, cosmology, and consciousness. His second book, Cosmos and Psyche is the basis of the Changing of the Gods docu-series. There's a lot more I could say about Rick, but we'll leave it there for now. Welcome, Rick.
1: Thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me and looking forward to today.
0: I'd like now to introduce Yeyeh Luisa Tish. She's a storyteller, a writer, an artist activist, and a spiritual guidance counselor, She's an initiated elder in the IFA Orisha tradition of the West African diaspora. Much of her work focuses on global food security, water quality and access, reforestation, and ending violence against women and girls. Welcome, Yeye Ye Tish.
2: Alafia, everybody. I'm glad to see we are talking to the world. I got good news for you.
0: oh i'm so glad we look forward to that (laughs) let's now move to becca tarnas who is a scholar an archetypal astrologer and storyteller who teaches at both pacifica graduate institute and the california institute of integral studies where she also received her doctorate degree becca is an editor of archai the journal of archetypal cosmology and author of the book Journey to the Imaginal Realm, A Reader's Guide to J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. Becca, thanks so much for being with us.
3: It's such a pleasure to be here and an absolute honor to be on this panel. And now we
0: have Kenny Ozabell, who is the visionary filmmaker behind the changing of the God's docu-series, Having written, co-directed, and co-produced it, he definitely qualifies as a veritable triple threat. He's also an award-winning social entrepreneur, author, and journalist. Kenny's the co-founder and CEO of Bioneers, the internationally recognized nonprofit dedicated to incubating and promoting solutions for restoring people and the planet, and one of my favorite conferences each year. Kenny, congratulations again on Changing of the Gods, and it's so nice to have you here with us.
4: Well, thank you so much, Tiana. It's just super, first of all, I am so honored to be with my esteemed colleagues here, and, um, you know, Cosmos and Psyche, on which the, the series, which inspired the series, Rick, is just an absolute landmark and a masterpiece, and it brought all of this, all of us together in these ways, so thank you so much for that, and, um, And I I was looking at the chat and seeing people from all over the world. This is amazing, including people in Europe where it's the middle of the night. So that is dedication. So hopefully we'll live up to our promise here today.
0: To get us started, let's look at a clip about World Transits from Changing of the Gods, Episode 1.
1: When we first started doing this research, of course, the very first focus was to look at all the birth charts of the people that I knew in the Esalen community. And then I started studying the transits of people who were very famous, like cultural figures, historical figures, like what did Galileo have when he turned his telescope to the heavens for the first time and saw the Copernican universe open up to him. What did Rosa Parks have as a transit when she decided she wasn't going to get up from the seat in the bus and catalyze the civil rights movement? What did Freud have as a transit when, as he put it later, the secret of dreams was revealed to him and he got the insight of how the unconscious was speaking symbolically through the dream? And then I started seeing the patterns of what we could call world transits. These coincide with entire cultural epochs, sustained historical periods that have a quality, a zeitgeist, that perfectly reflects the archetypal quality that astrologers have concluded are connected to those particular planets. Tracing back in history the many times that Uranus and Pluto came into either conjunction or opposition or the square in between, it would coincide with a sustained period of about 12 years. These were the major periods of social and political rebellion, revolutions, widespread protests, whether it's by workers or for civil rights movements, for women's rights, for gay rights. Everybody who lived through the 60s has a sense that something pretty remarkable was happening there. It was like something was in the air. But the question is, why in the 60s, Eric?
4: There are periods in history, so far as I can see it, when human energies, both constructive and destructed, just seem to come to a boil. in the land, a certain restlessness.
3: 2011 may be most remembered as a year of global protests
2: and uprisings. You want me to go somewhere and fight, but you won't even stand up for me here at home. You no, know, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Time and again throughout American history, it's a police
1: confrontation touches off widespread violence. In the name of all Indians, we reclaim this land for our Indian nation. This land should rightfully be granted to us for as long as the river shall run and the sun shall shine. This is 2016 and you don't get to treat Indians like you have.
2: Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump channeling... The most infamous things about Richard Nixon.
1: Breaking story just moments ago, the Supreme Court making same-sex
2: marriage legal in this country across every state in this nation.
3: Thanks to the spirit of equality in the air, I no longer accept society's judgment that my group is second class... One of us can be dismissed,
2: two of us can be ignored, but together... We are a movement and we are unstoppable.
1: First massive nationwide protest against the pollution of the environment.
4: Young folks who marched and mobilized and stood up and sat in, from Seneca Falls to Selma to Stonewall, didn't just do it for themselves, they did it for other people.
1: Jung called this the Kairos moment, the right moment for a changing of the gods, of the fundamental principles and symbols. Clearly, something like that is at work.
0: Well, excellent. What a clear demonstration of the undeniable expression of world transits and and also how history seems to rhyme. Rick and Becca, let's start with you. In terms of world transits, where are we now and, and where are we headed?
1: Thank you. Um, one of the things that's crucial about understanding the whole idea of world transits is that the, the, uh, they represent these um, very powerful archetypal waveforms that kind of surge into the, into the collective psyche, into the culture at a given time. And, uh, they, they influence uh, events, not so much the planets causing things to happen, but they, they inform, um, the, archetypal principles or the gods and goddesses, however we want to uh, conceive or imagine or perceive them, uh, they uh, have their own dynamics that are unfolding through history. And the mystery of the astrological perspective, and it's a kind of gift from the cosmos, I think, is that it allows us to get a, a glimpse, a handle on like what what are the... Uh, what are the gods up to right now? Like, who? What are the um, major archetypal forces at play at a given moment? And one of the things that's crucial to understand about this moment is that um, it is it is coming right after this this tremendous um, upheaval and surge, uh, this kind of volcanic, transformational energy that we've uh, that we went through over the last decade and a half. And then Saturn joined the picture, uh, t- towards the end and, uh, really brought things to very kind of a crisis point, a, a, uh, a reality principle that kind of really had to be faced. And, and so we're coming right in the wake of that. And I thought it would be helpful to, uh, to show a, a little diagram of th- if you think of these waveforms, these archetypal waveforms that are correlated with the movements of particularly the outer planets, the outermost planets that we have the most, um, uh, evidence for and, and understanding of, particularly the Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, uh, and then Saturn and Jupiter are play a big role as well. Uh, and if, if we look at what were the three major world transits that, that basically have been shaping this last period we're we're in and that we're right now uh, at at a kind of, um, we're moving towards the end of them. And maybe uh, Becca, could you just share your screen for a second? We'll, we'll, we'll look at that. Here we are. Thank you. Uh, So what you see here is there's a a kind of simplified uh, graph that shows over time, moving from 2007, roughly on on the left, going all the way up to the mid 2020s on on the right. And over that time, that the first the, the really big longer transit was that Uranus square Pluto, which is what uh, Changing of the Gods focused on. Um, it, it occupied like <clears throat> what about uh, 70 pages, uh, early pages of Cosmos and Psyche, uh, tracking out how It it, uh, that particular cycle happened in the 60s, the conjunction or French Revolution, et cetera. And what would we what might we expect um, going into a a period that was coming after uh, Cosmos and Psyche was published? uh, But we knew where the planets would be. And we thought, well, under given what we know, typically, this is a period of tremendous change and acceleration of history a uh a, a great kind of volcanic pressure for uh, change, changing the uh, past structures and and bringing about uh greater greater freedom um new uh, like advances on different fronts etc and uh political social uh ecological uh movements of all kinds tended to get catalyzed and uh, what we also need to understand is that when these planets um, come into alignment, they they represent a kind of mutual activation on both sides. Uh, Becca, could we go forward to that one uh, graph, and then we'll go right back. So these are the symbols for the, the outer planets here. And I just want you to focus on the top one, top line there. That's Uranus on the left, Pluto on the right, and uh you, I have bi-directional arrows there to emphasize the fact that they're each influencing each other with their own particular archetypal quality. So Pluto is driving the Uranian Promethean principle of change, revolution, freedom, uh, scientific and technological advance, uh, up, uh the unexpected, uh, etc. But also the arrow goes in the other direction from Uranus to Pluto, uh, and in that uh in that particular vector, um, the uranian energy is liberating the plutonic, uh, which means it, it awakens it into s- sudden unexpected manifestation. And the plutonic, it has this volcanic energy, but it, it it relates to like the deep instincts, the underworld of the psyche, uh profound evolutionary transformation, but driving energy that can get uh you know, it's very instinctual and it can bring about kind of mob energy, for example. So the Uranus square Pluto that was basically going there from 2007 all the way to uh in, into 2020. And these are approximate orbs, as we call them. Um, but they over and over again in history, we see a kind of mm, consistency with which Historical and cultural events match up uh, uh, to these alignments according to these kind of uh, orbs of roughly about 10 degrees, a little bit more for the square. And then for the conjunction uh, or the opposition, uh, more like 15 degrees uh, orb. So I'm wanting to emphasize this first point because uh, we're still in the wake of what happened over the last decade and a half and these big cyclical transits set in motion energies that are quite uh quite um they don't just stop like a, as if you've turned off the light switch they they've activated multiple you know cultural movements individual lives uh the things have been set in motion and there's a momentum and even as the transit moves towards the end uh, 2019, 2020, and even beyond, it is we still are feeling the energy, much as uh, was true in the um, 70s. For example, <clears throat> even though the transit of the Uranus Pluto went to 72, 60 to 72, roughly, it's not like feminism or the uh, uh, gay liberation movement or the ecology movement just stopped in 72 no it 's set in motion and it keeps it keeps unfolding and so also uh do the uh more problematic sites of your of your Uranus Pluto such so as this kind of activation of the primordial id or the will to power uh in problematic ways uh authoritarian p- populist uh kind of dictatorial leaders and so forth across the world okay so that's that's still we're still dealing with the consequences of that period, but also the energies, you know, still there's a momentum there. Um, and then everything, as you can see, converged all three of these uh, world transits, Saturn conjunct, Pluto, very strong uh, uh, encounter with the reality principle and, and the end of an era typically and and meeting great uh, con- constraints or uh, critical uh, challenges, et cetera. And you can just see right at the time of the pandemic coming in, basically all three of these um uh transits were over world transits were overlapping uh going right into twenty twenty one uh january sixth etc. et cetera so now, where we are still now you, know, you are here maybe becca you could put point the arrow where we are now in twenty twenty three and so we're in this Later stages of the Saturn square Uranus energy. Now, Uranus represents that impulse for change, but also, uh, you know, for the new, for, for the future. Um, it's, it's connected to youth. It's connected to the, uh, an orientation that is moving forward in, in uh, unpredictable, creative, innovative ways that also involve um and yeah in, in that basic impulse for change, but Saturn um is resistance to change Saturn is wants to hold steady uh Saturn in its positive form wants to keep valuable structures from being overthrown uh it, it, and in its problematic side can be just um stubbornly uh oppressively. Uh, negating of the impulse for change or for um, uh, social reform and, and, and so forth. And so you can see that that Saturn Uranus energy that we are going through uh, and we have been for the last roughly uh, uh, three years, and we still got, uh, you know, a bit more, this, you know, another, another year of it uh, is still in motion. And th- there's a quality uh, of this that involves um, uh, meeting crises, um, meeting tensions, sometimes tensions between uh, certainly the old and the new uh, the past and the future. It also can take the form of between generations, um, the older generation uh, and and the younger generation uh, feeling um, and tensions with each other. Uh, And it, and it, Tends towards a divisiveness, a a civil disturbance kind of quality uh, of of its own. Like the only way I can be free is to have a secession, uh, to secede from this relationship or from this uh, government or or something like that. Uh, So there's a kind of um, separative, uh, uh, schismatic energy that's involved with it. And also, Typically, there's technological challenges. Um, uh, all, all the way, so tech companies have been having to lay off people. The and and crit, crit, criticisms of uh, the high tech world, of the social media world, et cetera, and also um, even with the the Iranian content, connection with um, aerial objects, for example, and Saturn shooting them down. We've had a lot of that in the last uh, few weeks. The plane um, crashes and, and things like that, the, the train uh, accident the, the, in, uh derailment in Ohio, very typical uh, for these Saturn-Uranus uh, qualities. And I'll just say one last thing and turn it over to Becca, um, and that is Saturn-Uranus has this um, – I mean, the ideal – integration of these energies which it's pressing for is basically like how can we um find ways to make changes that hold on to what is most um, valuable about the past or about the 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 current structures uh, about tradition and so forth at the same time make make reforms make make changes uh, go, structural uh Structural uh, reforms are, te- are really important. Can be infrastructure, technological, uh, you know, so that the, uh, you know, we don't get electrical power outages, uh, which we're hoping don't happen tonight with our, uh, winter storms here in California. Um, but it, it, it can take, uh, many other forms. So there's, there's always that, um, always want to hold out that ideal of even under the hard aspects like the square that we're going through here, um, that there, there is this potential to bring together those energies in, in highly uh, uh, life-enhancing ways. And it's often through a, a crisis that we are able to see the, 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 the need for a new, um, a new horizon to open up or even that opens up that horizon that that breakdown of a of a previous structure opens up the new horizon that turns out to be much more life enhancing. So those are some of the many headlines that I could bring up, but I'll rely on 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 Becca bringing up some some more. Uh, and mm. maybe tr- you you can come, to, come back to your your image and stop sharing the screen so we can see see you. Mm. Well, you. I just.
3: That was so wonderful, and I just wanted to say, too, well, we have this image here, how you can see the long arc of the Uranus Pluto square, and then these two shorter transits that involve Saturn, they're activating each of the two planets that are part of the Uranus Pluto square in sequence. So Saturn first aligns with Pluto, and you know the major correlation there, of course, is the um the covid nineteen pandemic. but so many other things during that that period that lasted from 2018 to 2021, a very kind of deep, dire consequences, and that's a Saturnian word, consequences. Um, we see the the effect of uh, in a lasting way, in a um, a very real and serious way when Saturn is involved. And so Saturn first aligning with Pluto, which will bring up a lot around survival, the struggle for survival, and then followed immediately by Saturn highlighting Uranus, the other planet in the Uranus-Pluto square that that we've been through in the last decade and a half. And so it's almost like these few years following 2020 have shown us the consequences in both negative and positive forms of the Uranus Pluto, what the lasting effect is. And again, that's a Saturnian idea, the endurance, the, the lasting quality. So I just wanted to bring that in and how they, they all relate to each other. I, I wanted to speak a little bit to how we can personally participate in the world transits, because the, when we look at the transits, it can sometimes feel like, well, we're just uh, kind of at the the whim of these larger cosmic forces but really it by knowing what transits are unfolding we actually have the opportunity to more consciously engage to more p- consciously participate and so for example with the Saturn Uranus square how the world transits unfold for you personally you know that that'll depend for example on how the world transits are in relationship to your own chart, what are called personal transits. But nonetheless, even with that more specific viewpoint, we're all participating in the collective zeitgeist, even if it's just simply being aware of the larger dynamics that are unfolding. And so Rick spoke about how Saturn-Uranus relates so much to crisis, which we've been seeing unfolding around us uh, to such a high degree. And so what we can do in response is prepare for crisis and deal with crises when they come up. And, you know, let's say like we all are experiencing across the United States, for example, this major winter storm coming in and you see these potential crises unfolding, looking at, well, what can I do to prepare even at that simplest level of, you know, making sure you have all your basic needs met and so on. Um, and another thing to think about with saturn uranus is that uranus relates to change and saturn relates to uh to structure to uh the kind of the structures of our lives for example so being able to make those uh those structural changes the hard changes in your life as well you know that that shift you know you need to make but it's it feels like it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be a burden to take on. Again, those are Saturnian themes of work, the burden, carrying the weight. But when we commit ourselves to making those hard changes, they can often have very enduring, very long-lasting effects, again, which is a quality of Saturn. Um, And so the change, to think about it this way, the changes you make now are going to have long-term consequences far beyond this particular uh, world transit, they'll, they'll set things in motion in your own life that will have enduring effects. You know, a few other things, um, at that personal level, it, one can cultivate a kind of a dynamic balance between discipline, which is Saturnian on the one hand and creative freedom on the other. We can get a lot done from that place where we hold that balance and how we can furthermore how we can look to the wisdom of the past which is again related to saturn saturn has to do with the past with um tradition like the weight of history looking to that wisdom of the past in order to envision a new future which is related to uranus the archetype of uranus and so one area where we can do that is make uh Reform, structural reform within our institutions. You know, the Uranus Pluto dynamic is is more, um, instinctual and arising from the depths. And so there can be a desire to, uh, you know, uh, be more destructive in getting those changes across. And the impulse more with Saturn Uranus is how do we reform from the inside? How do we create structural changes? Um, within the institutions that exist and usually it's through the crises and seeing the cracks and the foundations that we recognize um, it's time to make those changes or you know sometimes you do have to dismantle the building and I think for those of you who think along these lines uh, a great image to hold in mind with Saturn Uranus is the tower card from the tarot Because, which often is used to symbolize crisis. And so Saturn is like the, the long endurance of the tower, you know, this old structure built with stone that is suddenly and unexpectedly struck by lightning, which is a very Uranian image. Uranus is lightning quick. It's sudden. It's unexpected out of the blue that brings that tall structure crashing down. So Saturn is the tower. Uranus is the lightning and so um we can we can see that unfold uh in in many different ways both symbolically and and literally and um and i just one world transit i wanted or one um collective correlation i wanted to mention here that that hadn't come up yet is the the huge devastating earthquake that just happened in turkey and syria um where so many lives were lost because largely because of, uh, infrastructure collapse. And, um, that happened to take place right as the full moon was aligning with the Saturn Uranus square in the sky. Um, so this really kind of major devastating expression of the Saturn Uranus and seeing how, um, you know, how we build our structures quite literally, but also more metaphorically, more symbolically, uh, will, show what, what can endure through time. And again, this emphasis on making those changes now in this time that we want to see endure. And then likewise, looking at, uh, what needs to be released, what needs to be let go in those changes and in, in those transformations. So, um, yeah, I think that that about covers what I wanted to say in relation to the the Saturn Uranus square at this point.
1: That's 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 wonderful, uh, Becca. Thank you so much for uh, bringing in those crucial points. And you know, because we're kind of laying the groundwork for what we're going to be doing for the rest of our time here in terms of looking at what's what's coming and uh, the the transits, world transits for the uh, uh, this the rest of this decade. And um, Becca brought up an important point about how it's just knowing what one's transits are is very i mean we tend to act them out anyway but if you if you have some idea of what's happening when and this is that kind of gift that i feel that the cosmos has given us through the astrological um uh, in, or uh, correlations between planets and uh their movements and and the archetypal energies that we recognize in our human life uh, what we can well, always we need to keep in mind that if they're open to multiple, uh, enactment and it's up to us, our level of consciousness as to how, how, how we, um, manifest these, how we express these energies and knowing what transits are happening when can help us, uh, make these kinds of, um, use the energies that are at work. But bring out their most noble potential, their most life-enhancing potential, and not be as susceptible to to the shadow uh, uh, potentials that are that are always there as well. So human consciousness and our own agency is so important for how these come through. It's not like uh, all a fatalistic or anything like that, even though they are quite powerful and transpersonal, transindividual. So let's. Uh, turn it back to Tiana and uh, we'll go from there.
0: Great. Yes. Thank you so much, Rick and Becca. Wow. That's already so much information. Um, Gosh, you spoke about lasting transformation, Becca, and that makes me think about Oshun. And so I wonder, Tish, if you might be able to tell us now about this this powerful goddess in your tradition and what she might be whispering to us in the coming months and years.
2: Ashe. I need to give the background for people who may not be familiar, but in the traditions of the African diaspora, the priests get together and perform divination to ask the ancestors, the, the, the Orishas, all of the spiritual energies, what is coming, and how we should conduct ourselves in the light of what is coming. Now, you know, in the in the film, I explained, and I, I guess we'll take another look at that. I explained Uranus and Pluto in terms of Ogum, the wild man in the woods, right? And Oya the goddess of unconditional change, the mother of, of transformation. And <clears throat> as we perform the divinations year after year after year, they've themselves to be true. For example, we've been being told that we need to placate the water spirits and we've seen tsunami and flood and so on. And um, this year, this first six months especially, the messages that have been coming through pretty much are telling us to check our behavior, okay? We are told to sit in meditation and receive energy and information before you jump up and take action, okay? Because there's an impulsiveness here that can really, really um, get you confused and throw you off guard. Of course, uh, the earth through Oya has been saying no more extractions, no more, um, no more destroying the planet because that's destroying ourselves. And we can see the problem from my point of view of egotism that, re- that results in war that results in war. So a lot of people are caught in a quandary because the pandemic, right, and the the period of time that they were in quarantine caused them to, quote unquote, lose certain things. I lost my relationship, I lost my business, I lost my independence, I lost, and there's this long list of what what they no longer have. Here's the late breaking news, people. Some people are saying, can I want to go back to, no, no. We cannot just return to where we were when the pandemic hit, right? And the problem is that we tend to go to that which is familiar, the default setting, even if it was dysfunctional. The other problem is is that people have a great uh, difficulty with embracing mystery. I don't know what's going to happen next, so I'm going to do what I did before, even though it got me in trouble. Okay, This is the quandary that people are in, and we need to know that the light in our own eyes is the light that will open the path in front of us. In order to do that, you have to have enough humility to receive, to receive information and to follow what we call the open road. Now, I know everything that's been said sounds like, oh my God, another dozen years of of burden and worry and so on. But the good news, the good news is is that Oshun, the goddess of love, art, sensuality? Okay, she is said of Oshun that when the doctor fails, she cures everything with clear water. When depression starts to fall down upon you, she appears and give, lifts you up, you know? So, what we need to do with all the planetary movements that's going on. We need to ask creativity to be with us. We need to do spiritual, we need to do creative expression, right? We need to improve our personal relationships with each other. We need to see the beauty in nature and that will lift us up out of any depression, any confusion, that we are having. I am happy to say that she has said to me that she's willing to grant, willing to grant favor to those who are smart enough to ask her humbly. So I'm asking you, audience, to think about what it is that you need to make it through all the changes that are coming, right? What is it that you would ask this goddess to bless you with? And when you get a chance, put it in the chat and we'll talk to her about it.
0: I'm so glad that there is hope on the horizon. Recognize the beauty of nature and allow that to lift you up.
2: Absolutely. That's the medicine. You see, it it really isn't as complex as we sometimes think, like they said, when when the doctor fails, she heals with cool water, okay? Uh, The the simplicity, beauty, right? And the willingness to, to be innocent enough to let your creativity come through. This is what will save us because it is by being that open to her love, and her inspiration that we will be able to see what we can do to create a better world dealing with all these forces. All these forces. In in the um, in the mythology, when Ogun, when Mr. Pluto is cutting up, tearing everything up, you know, waging war all the time, the one who tames him is Oshun. By smearing honey on his lips.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good medicine.
2: (laughs) You see, you need humor. You need beauty. Mm -hmm. You need release. You need to be able to create. The ability to create is our greatest power.
0: I'm also hearing getting back to basics. Like how about sunshine medicine? Yes. How about river medicine?
2: That's right. Especially river medicine. In fact, we have been told to get some wildflower honey, your local wildflower honey, and go to the river and speak to her, you know, saying, Sweet, mama, mama, this is what I need. <laughs> Stick your finger in the honey, taste it to be sure it's not poison, and drip honey into the river. Now it has to be followed by some action that is apropos of her. So if you're at the river and there's trash, pick up the trash because that ain't beautiful, right? If you're on your way home and you see somebody who's hungry, feed that person because that ain't beautiful. If you get home and feel like you want to pick up a pen and start drawing, you ain't got to go to art school. Pick up the pen and start drawing, right? find out what she's trying to tell you.
0: Oh, that is such practical wisdom. yay, yay teach. Thank you for that.
2: You're welcome.
0: Ah, breathing it in.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: now I'd love to turn it back to Rick and Becca to take us into the Uranus-Pluto trine that we're currently inside of. I'm curious, what are some events that happened the last time these planets were aligned in this way? And and what might we expect this time around?
1: Well, I'll start off and then uh, bring it over to, to Becca. Becca, do you want to just show that Uranus-Pluto trine diagram for just to show that where the trine is, is coming into range? And so here you see, <clears throat> instead of the simple single curve which is how uh i had drawn those other ones this is this is showing the um continual cr- uh w- crests and uh, troughs of the um because uranus and pluto move at different uh paces and they go uh, retrograde and direct etc um closer to exact and then further away from exact but overall you can see the the range of years that we're talking about it's a, we're we're in a uh very significant um world transit that involves a harmonious relationship the trine it's 120 degrees uh it, it's like if you were to have a grand trine you you would see a perfect equilateral triangle in, in in the sky so this is this is like one two of the planets are in that perfect triangle and they form uh what's what's called a trine which is a harmonious confluent um uh Integration of the energies that were in square, uh, all during the, um, all during the 2010s and, and so that w- was the major focus of changing of the gods. That, um, that suggests that the kinds of energies that were activated there. Which are still in the air and, and the same planets are still, uh, you know, moving into relationship with each other, interacting d- uh, dynamically, archetypally. But there, it, there's just this greater potential for, uh, a, a harmonious, confluent, uh, uh, expression. For example, um, a deep striving for change, for, 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 for reform. There's still that powerful impulse to bring forth the new, but uh, especially I think as we move out of that Saturn square Uranus, there's this potential for uh, for a a, a less um, a less stressed, a less uh, fraught uh, uh, expression of the same energies. So there's more a sense of wanting to participate in evolutionary change, both in one's own life. But in the life of, of of the the community, of the collective, of, of Gaia, um, uh, it it also can spur uh, artistic and scientific uh, creativity and inventiveness, um, technological experiment and innovation can it will still uh, be quite um, in in the uh, on the menu, um, but that. Like the drive for social justice reform, for, uh, equality, freedom, um, ecological awareness. Those are, those are, those are very much with us, but again, less fraught forms. And, and in a sense, some of the themes that, uh, that Tish brought up, um, you know, Tish has this, uh, beautiful divinatory capacity to, in, um, you know, kind of be in a form of dialogue with 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 the great uh powers uh and and you know and particularly you know from within her tradition to have these kind of uh personal uh dialogue with with the um with the god or goddess involved uh, uh which is a something that was very much part of humanity's um uh, uh Capacities over, over the millennia. And, um, thank God that there, excuse me, or, or Goddess that, thank Goddess that there are, are people who can, um, carry forward those divinatory, um, gifts. And some of the themes that, uh, Tish brought up, for example, you know, yes, Pluto has this potential destructive quality, but, um, as Kenny likes to say, what if everything goes right? Um, and with the trine energy from Uranus and Pluto, you have this, you can draw out the, the, the more, um, positive pot- potential within Pluto, which among other things is, uh, um, the sensuality that Tish mentioned and, uh, also the, um, the deep powers of nature that in some sense we need to, uh, reconnect with and, and, and be blessed by as we walk through the forest or or um do a ritual uh, by the river. Uh I think uh in general also uh during this long and we're really looking at the rest of the decade um as a this is a very kind of this is a blessing. I mean it's it it definitely can ease up potentially, you know, some of those um stresses and and you know like that Saturn square Uranus is such a Tension between um conservative and and progressive or reactionary right uh wing extremism versus uh uh either progressive or extreme uh, uh left wing um potentials and and they can really get into a kind of clash that that tends to make structures uh collapse or certainly be in crisis and uh with the with this coming energy that we're, we're we're already moving into there's uh more and more capacity to uh come into relationship with uh the natural world with our own depths uh with our sensual energies with our impulse for transformation um with the impulse for bringing about uh, change and freedom but to but to do that um, in in a more confluent way i think working um all the importance of 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 working in in communities to work with each other uh never trying to do it alone how, how important that is there's also this kind of a continuation of the awakening of youthful energies and and uh, countercultural uh in, impulses um and and feeling in touch with the with the deeper generational and evolutionary impulses that are shaping the, the collective psyche. Uh, so this is, uh, these are, these are, um, really promising. Um, it's a promising situation that I think we can be, be working with. And for example, the last time that they were in trying was the 1920s and, um, Oh you think of something like uh that the coming of the jazz age the swing era the um the uh, but particularly the the sense of a kind of liberated youth and 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 of um new new possibilities that came after the after world war 1 and all the uh uh Mortality and, and losses that happened and conflicts. And then, then there was this period of, uh, the trine of Uranus and Pluto that can be quite, uh, growth oriented and, um, optimistic. And this will be particularly true as we get into the next. Transit that we'll talk about the Jupiter Uranus conjunction that's coming soon, um, uh, later this year, as a matter of fact. But let's keep with the Uranus trine Pluto. And what if everything goes right? Um, let me pass it over to Becca for her, her, uh, additional comments on, on this. All
3: right. I just wanted to share that image again because there was a request for it just to see, uh, when the Uranus trine Pluto came into orb and you can really see it's the, the middle and later part of the decade where it's really peaking, uh, that the two planets are in tightest alignment and then it leaves the orb of influence within 2032. So this is about a decade long transit. Uh, it didn't come, it's already activated and, you know, I think we're seeing that in, Some of the new waves of technological innovation, probably the one that's uh, catching the airwaves the most is uh, around AI, chat, GPT, uh, and all the ways people are looking at how that's going to change, revolutionize so many different areas of life, whether that's education or business, um, how we think even, how we learn, how we're educated. And um, so just kind of, tracking those continuously, uh, continually unfolding uh, changes that are picking up on the themes that were already activated in the Uranus-Pluto square. And one thing that I think is worth mentioning, the last time Uranus and Pluto were in trine, as Rick said, was in the 1920s, like the roaring 20s. And then the subsequent alignment was the square of the 1930s, where there's a lot more tension between uh, the two archetypes, Uranus and Pluto, as we see you know, the rise of fascism, for example. And here, it, this has to do with how planetary cycles work in relationship to each other. On On that side of the cycle, it moves from that 120 degree trine into the the tighter square. This side of the cycle, we're moving from that square out into the trine. And so um, it's kind of an inverse in some ways of, of what happened last time in terms of how the two transits of the same planets relate to each other. And so I think that this is really an opportunity to integrate a lot of what has come up in ter- it, in the Uranus-Pluto square that so much kind of had the, the lid ripped off of it during the square, there was so much social upheaval, uh, a larger collective awakening to, you know, so many forms of injustice, uh, racial injustice, uh, you know, gender inequality, uh, all of these different things that, you know, are documented so beautifully in Changing of the Gods, I think, you know, in large part because of social media, because of the technology to record uh, these different incidences, That contributes to this kind of unleashed awareness that then under the trine can be uh, integrated into the culture and seeing, well, how, uh, how can this be more holistically recognized and woven into the fabric of our society? And, um, and so there is still that ongoing um, opportunity to participate in the revolutionary arenas that that align with the causes that your heart connects with, whether that 's social justice or feminism or and gender identity or racial justice or ecological justice these all these areas are um, like Rick was saying before it the energy kind of carries over from the the square, but having the trine right now gives a deeper archetypal support to um, weaving that into, into our society. So um, those are just a couple points points that, that I would want to bring up there.
0: I'm really hearing from you, what if things go right? And there certainly is an opportunity, an opening for them to go right. And also how there's an opportunity for us to participate with the cosmos to bring about the change we want to see in the world yeah
4: I'm just loving hearing all this and thank you so much um you know a lot of what we've looked at in the film is this kind of um you know cycles of revolution and counter revolution so the, I think you know for me the Saturn uranus that is also an image of counter revolution We've seen this immense backlash of the elites essentially or existing structures, the status quo trying to suppress that change. At the same time, we're trying to, as Rick was saying, trying to change these systems themselves. But, you know, just to name a couple of th- things that have leapt out at me, um, in the technological area, um, obviously everybody's aware of all the layoffs at the tech companies, as well as the cloud they're under for good reason, of the kind of harms that they cause and the purely financial motives that drive almost every decision. And what's been happening, and there was a big article in the New York Times recently about this, a lot of people in the tech world have actually been bailing and moving into the area of clean technology and renewable energy. And I think we're going to see massive innovation. And I know Rick will talk shortly about the Jupiter Uranus, which also relates to this technologically. But I think, you know, we in the film, we also covered, uh, you know, we covered the rise of renewable energy. And it's clear that during the Uranus-Pluto square, there is really a regime change that has happened. We're not going back to fossil fuels. It's going to be a pitched battle to get past it fast enough that's more the question but it is history we're going to be moving into entirely different technological regimes now and um so i think that's going to be a really interesting area to watch also the area of biomimicry which we talk about in the film of actually looking to nature which again is pluto the deep nature evolution itself nature's solutions nature has had 3.8 billion years of r&d you know we have a thing or two we can learn from that and I would encourage people to learn more about Bioneers, which is the group, um, Teanna mentioned that my wife, Nina Simons, and I founded, but we, most of the people that you saw in the film, the interview subjects are from the Bioneers networks. And this is, it's a treasure trove of, um, kind of the cutting edge models and approaches to the kinds of things that we're talking about. I think also, you know, I can continually sort of shocked and amazed that things that have not been on the table for discussion are suddenly up. You know, people are looking at democracy, for example, the Electoral College, which, you know, talking about an archaic structure that was designed as an anti-democratic structure. That's actually on the table. It's got to go. You know, why would you ever, you know, have have something like that in place as opposed to a popular vote? Look at the Supreme Court. It's due for a major shakeup. I think people have had it with, you know, these kinds of clearly anti-democratic institutions. So, if we're moving into the trine and there's going to be some flow, all these things that have been clashing are going to you know start this is the opportunity if we use our agency. Obviously it's not going to happen by itself, but the conditions are ripe for those kinds of changes. I think um additionally, just a couple of things I would mention is you know there's you know a lot of this stuff isn't really reported sufficiently or accurately in the corporate media for the most part, but there's very powerful movements, including in Europe now. Uh, to deconstruct monopolies to go to, for antitrust legislation. You know, you don't have to look far to see how um, negative and destructive these monopolies are and absolutely inefficient, ineffectual. You know, they actually stifle innovation. So I think we're going to see big shakeups in, in those kinds of areas. Um, and one, one last thing I want to mention now, but um, the rights of nature movement, which is also in the film, we document that, um, is now the fastest growing environment, environmental movement in history. Nothing like this has been seen before in this country and in, around the world. It's also, um, indigenous peoples that are now often at the forefront of leadership of that movement. That has been their paradigm for, you know, centuries and millennia with qualifications. There's complexity there. However, we're, you know, we need to be in a partnership with nature and we are the junior partner. You know, a, a Navajo friend of, of ours, um, made a beautiful statement when he he was kind of riffing off the idea of rights of nature. He said it very simply. He said, nature has its ways and nature will have its way. <laughs> and I think that about sums it up. We can regulate whatever we want, but we're not going to regulate nature. She's going to do what she wants to do here. And if we learn to play by nature's operating instructions, then we've got a good shot at things working. Um, if we don't, we're already seeing the kinds of consequences of that. Um, and Tisha, I'm kind of curious from your point of view also, you know, if, in relation to, I mean, we're seeing so much othering now um, and, you know, racial justice issues, the backlash to Obama, to Black Lives Matter has been huge, but those movements are not going away. I mean, I think we're about to see, you know, we're being pushed. We we have to really stand up for what we believe in and act. By 2020, Black Lives Matter was the biggest movement in, in American history. I mean... So that, that is not God. No. <laughs> I'm curious if you have perspectives no, on no. The social I think justice. The
2: thing, I think the thing that um, people have to realize and accept is we are in a state now where we are going to decolonize our minds. We must decolonize our minds. And I want to say that colonialism has hurt everybody. Everybody was wounded by that 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 period of what I call historical adolescence, you know, where um, people thought, well, if I have if I have the biggest toy, if I have the biggest gun, I'm the baddest mother on the block, and I can go steal from other people. The Earth herself will not allow that anymore. We cannot do that anymore and survive as a species on this planet, okay? So decolonization, letting go of the way of greed and domination is required for our own salvation. I need everybody to get that. The second part of that is reconnecting us to our indigenous spirituality. Everybody in the beginning of human history had a spirituality that recognized mother nature and revered her, okay? So we have a thing called Sankofa, which is an image of a bird. It has an egg in its mouth. It's looking back, but it's flying forward, okay? We need to take a look at what were the beliefs and practices when we had a better relationship to the earth, right? And begin to reclaim, this is biomimicry, yeah? Begin to reclaim our relationship to nature, not with the idea that we are dominant over it, but that we are children of it. If we can make that shift and enjoy the shift and make it pretty, we got this sucker in the bag. We sure do.
4: (laughs) Do I get that (laughs) right?
2: Yes, you can.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's beautifully said, yay, yay, Tishan. And indeed, it is only by decolonizing the mind that we can truly understand mm-hmm. the potential and capacity of operating the way that nature operates.
2: It'll be so healing, you know, but it's one of those things where if you've ever cut yourself and you bled for a little while and then a scab formed and you thought you were okay... But then later on, you had to pull it off and and look at the inflammation underneath. We're pulling off the scab right now. It's time to clean up and patch up and heal. That's what time it is. That's Mm -hmm. what time it is.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I just want to say one last thing about that. But um, there's a, a guy named John Warner, who's the top green chemist in the country. And he'll actually be at our Bioneers Conference in April in California But John talks about how basically what chemistry has done, which is antithetical to nature, is it tries to smash molecules together and make them do something. And what he does is he acts like he's the therapist and he puts the molecule on the couch and says, what would you like to be when you grow up? (laughs) So anyway, that's a very different approach. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, why don't we move on to speak about the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction? Becca and Rick, take it Mm -hmm. away.
1: This is really uh, one that everybody tends to love. Um, I certainly do. And uh, because Jupiter's whole nature is to, you know, lift up and and kind of grant success to whatever it touches. If it's crossing your Venus in your chart, you know, one's more likely to... To have expansion of of love feelings and uh, the more uplifting experience of beauty and so forth. Well, we're this is going to be a, uh, a about a year long, little more than a year from the summer of 2023, so just coming up up through the following summer of 2024. Jupiter will be uh, conjoining. Uranus, I, I mean, maybe you could just show briefly, uh, Becca. It's pretty straightforward. The, um, there you can see the, the wave, uh, there it, it will come most close to exact later in next, next spring, but it's, it's already very much coming into, into orb this summer. And I should mention that. Both with the 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 last um, slide that we were looking at here, where it showed all those peaks and troughs of, of Uranus and Pluto, and then this one with yeah, see that. Um, in both cases, what we notice historically, you could go back to that Uranus Pluto for a second. But what you notice, uh, what we find historically, is that the events and um, concrete expressions that come out in in our tracking of history. Really show that once the planets come within range, uh, in, in the, all the way till the last point that it's, it's within range, um, it's a continuous transit, even though it's, it's true that as it comes, uh, those higher peaks there do represent, uh, intensifications of, of the energy. But the, with world transits, it's, you, you've, you've pushed that energy into motion with any of those, uh, peaks. And that doesn't just stop, uh, again, like a light switch going off. It, it, movements have been started. Uh, things are, things continue. There's a momentum that is established. Uh, and so it's more of a continuous overall arc or wave. Let's go over to the Jupiter Uranus again. And so really it's, it's, uh, even though you can see probably there will be some, uh, degree, uh, of intensification um, in next next spring, um, but it really is from what we've noticed historically i and there's like seventy pages of evidence in cosmos and psyche just tracking all the ways in which uh the Jupiter Uranus energy, where Jupiter tends to expand and elevate and give success to the Uranian uh, Promethean principle uh of creativity and, and, and the new breakthroughs. Um so uh yeah Be- Becca you could um I think people have, have it in the, in in their mind now and uh maybe what what to bring out a little bit more of, of some of the major um uh specific uh features potentials of this uh Jupiter conjunction there's an impulse uh for greater freedom and change but uh that impulse is often um granted uh, more success if you if you are um if you've been gestating a project a new something something creative so if you have in mind something that you've wanted to do for uh, a long time, like to do a particular, uh, um, you know, new enterprise or a new a new beginning of some sort in your life, uh, or a you know, composition of 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 uh, a work of art. This is a uh, such a um, catalyst uh, for breakthroughs and for uh, creative. Um, Inspiration. Uh, there, and often there can be experiences that are kind of like, um, uh, peak experiences. Uh, qu- uh there can be kind of quantum leaps that happen in, in, in your, in your work and, in, in certain respects. Um, sudden expansion of consciousness. It's, it's, it's a good transit for, uh, you know, for, for where you do things like, um, initiatory rituals or, uh, uh, c- could be psychedelic therapy. It could be a wilderness, wilderness um, vision quest. It could be, uh, uh, psychotherapeutic, um, uh, work of a, the, there's more likelihood for, for breakthroughs to take place. Also sudden new meetings in your life that open up new horizons. Um, there can be, kind of unexpected happy events uh are are quite frequent um, also there can be a greater sense of wonder joyful wonder at 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 life um it's a buoyant energy uh and so along with the successful uh, new beginnings um there one can Feel a greater impulse towards adventure, tor- towards you know traveling, um, towards uh, uh, expanding one's world in various ways. Uh, there can be, or uh, and it, and it could be literal travel to other other parts of the world, but it also can be and it can be travel of con- in in your consciousness. It can be um, expanding your 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 mind and soul through uh, great. Literature, great, uh, um, films, theater, uh, et, et, et cetera. Um, there, there's also, it's a playful energy, more, more playfulness, um, feeling brighter, lighter. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a buoyant and, um, kind of the happy, uh, the sudden unexpected burst of like a a new horizon opening up that you weren't expecting uh one of the astrological um uh one of the people who Reinhold Ebertine, who was a German astrologer and had some concise things to say about each of these planetary combinations, he he called this the the, um, the thank the Lord transit because, uh, or like the thank God uh, transit because there is that quality of like, oh wow, a sudden unexpected release, a a kind of a a, a birth uh, uh, out of the. Um, challenging constricting birth canal uh that kind of sudden transition that unexpectedly opens up right. uh, a new it sounds horizon. like a
0: catharsis rick
1: yeah there is something uh yeah it it can be a catharsis especially with that uranus trine pluto which allows the deeper energies to be accessed but just the jupiter uranus by itself if you've been putting off a project or an enterprise um uh, writing a book whatever it happens to be uh, making a movie this is a good time to start um st- because it, it the the gods tend to s- seem to support that um that innovation and as i say there's many pages in cosmos and psyche that that show sudden successful uh breakthroughs um you know beginning of the um, invent, the personal invention of the personal computer or of the the light bulb or or, um, many great uh, works of art uh, were initiated under it. So you can look at the evidence there.
0: This is great news for so many of us who have books to finish or operas to write or (laughs) gardens to plant. Um, You know, perhaps we'll see a a second season of Changing of the Gods, Kenny, who knows? So much creative force available to us. Um, there's nothing we can't do. So I'd like to move on now to the Saturn-Neptune conjunction, and we just have a few moments to talk about that before moving on to the U.S. birth chart.
3: Well, I mean, I think just very simply put with the Jupiter-Uranus, when Tish was speaking, that sense of hope, this awakening to uh, joy and optimism and abundance and creativity that she was speaking to is so resonant of the Jupiter Uranus alignment and when you start paying attention to transits you can feel them coming you can kind of intimate their arrival and um, Satish just captured that so beautifully with the Saturn Neptune we are going in a very different direction and we've been talking about Saturn in terms of you know, seriousness, consequences, the reality principle. And Neptune, which is an archetype that we haven't been talking about this evening so far, Neptune relates to the transcendent, to the sacred, to the spiritual, to the numinous. Neptune is the imagination. It's the world of images. Uh, it's symbolized by water. So it's very merging and flowing and dissolving of whatever it touches. And so you can see Saturn and Neptune are kind of, Complete opposites in that way. And, uh, it's this bridging between, as, as Rick describes it, between the real, that Saturn principle and the ideal, the Neptunian principle. And so that gap between our ideal visions and dreams for the world and then the reality we live in, sometimes that gap can feel insurmountable. And so, uh, just to give a sense when this is happening, it's, this is the, the graph for Saturn-Neptune. It's gonna start coming in uh, in the spring of 2024. So next year. So this is really the middle decade alignment and it will be, uh, it'll be peaking in 25, 26, and then kind of petering out in the middle of um, 2027. And so, you know, historically, when we've seen Saturn-Neptune alignments, um, it can bring up more of these, uh, feelings of longing for an ideal world and yet seeing the, uh, the faults, the pain, the suffering, the losses, um, under the Saturn-Neptune opposition, for example, that happened, uh, in, in the middle of the decade, first decade of this millennium, we had Hurricane Katrina. We had, um, the huge tsunami in Indonesia. Neptune is symbolized by water. And one of the, uh, when it's aligned with Saturn, one of the effects can be pain, suffering, loss, death. And so speaking to the very kind of serious side of this, Saturn, Neptune can bring up grief. It can bring up mourning. It can bring up, uh, Anxiety, a kind of non-specific anxiety, even, um, melancholy, depression. Uh, there are often major challenges that arise under Saturn-Neptune alignments around um, opioid epidemics, for example, that kind of escapist tendency. Why? Because we're longing for the Neptunian, we're longing for the escape to go beyond the Saturnian realm of this world. And so in terms of our participation in that, how we can prepare ourselves, and I think it'll be helpful to have the buoyancy of the Jupiter-Uranus when we go into this to kind of carry us forward, um, that when things like melancholy and sadness and grief emerge, that practice of being with those feelings. And I wanted to share a quote from... The extraordinary eco-philosopher and activist Joanna Macy who was born with Saturn-Neptune. She said, we are capable of suffering with our world, and that is the true meaning of compassion. It enables us to recognize our profound interconnectedness with all beings. Don't ever apologize for crying for the trees burning in the Amazon or over the waters polluted from the mines and the Rockies. Don't apologize for the sorrow, grief, and rage you feel. It is a measure of your humanity and your maturity. It is a measure of your open heart. And as your heart breaks open, there will be room for the world to heal. That is what is happening as we see people honestly confronting the sorrows of our time. So that's from Joanna Macy, who's born with a Saturn-Neptune trine. And so she can very beautifully speak to how to live uh, with the Saturn Neptune archetypal complex, and I think um, the a way that we can really align with it is through, say, disciplined spiritual practice. Neptune is the spiritual practice, but Saturn brings in the dip- discipline or pragmatic mysticism, a kind of recognition of the imminent divine, the Neptunian divine that is in this Saturnian world and realm, um, and so that can. Inspire us to be of service, tending the homeless, tending to the mentally ill, or those who are in spiritual crisis or emergency. Um, so that's some of of what I would say about Saturn Neptune, which again, it'll start next year in the spring of 2024, and it'll be with us into the early parts of 2027. Beautiful.
0: Thank you for sharing that Joanna Macy quote, Becca. That really touched us, as I can see from the chat. People really appreciated that. Um, Now, let us move on to the U.S. birth chart. Um, Just to say that after thousands and thousands of years of indigenous peoples inhabiting and stewarding the land that continues to this day, of course, the country that we now call the United States was founded in 1776 July 4th and I'll let you speak about the configurations that were at play then and, and, uh, what's happening now in that regard.
1: Um, thank So, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's, there's the birth chart, uh, of the U S on the 4th of July, 7, uh, 1776. And, um, What's remarkable about this particular decade, uh, is that you can see where Pluto is, uh, down in that left hand, uh, corner and then show where Uranus is over there at the horizon, just setting at that time. Now, th- those two planets, um, had been basically in a grand trine with Neptune in the, in those years. This was a period of like both the Climb the the height of the Enlightenment, um, which inspired you know the the, the higher ideals of of uh, um, Jefferson and and Madison and so forth, but also uh, the um, but what when I want to emphasize here is that Uranus it, it it moves faster than the other three planets, so by this point it had gotten up all the way to eight Gemini um, it it will come back a little bit later in in 1776 into 77 uh so it's 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 still kind of participating in that grand trine but the main thing that i want to point out is that we're in a point in the history of this uh government that uh, to distinguish that from the history of the continent um we 're at a point in the history of this this government that was that was kind of initiated in seventeen seventy six where Uranus and Pluto are both returning to where they were when uh it was at the beginning um and Becca, do you want to just show the um so here we 've taken out uh what we're looking at here is just the outer planets, just to sim- make it simple. And look at how Pluto is right now right conjoined. This is the first time since it, it takes uh, nearly 250 years for Pluto to go around the whole chart. So this is what's called the Pluto return Um no individual human being goes through a Pluto return. Uh, we go through perhaps a Pluto opposite Pluto if we live uh, long enough, but not not a Pluto conjunct Pluto, again, where it's done the entire 360-degree uh, circle of the zodiac and come back to its natal position. We Many of us have heard, know about the Saturn return, have heard about it, that we all go through in our late 20s going up to age 30, or again in the late 50, our late 50s. Uh, and how important a threshold of transformation those periods are in our lives. Well, this is the Pluto return. So it's got that plutonic quality. Um, in a way, I mean, so th- these are, these are long lasting. The, the, uh, the Pluto return we're looking at th- throughout, it, it's been coming on for, for several years and it's going to be co- going on for the rest of the decade, but it's really cooking right now. And at the same time, be- Becca, you want to just show when Uranus gets right back to its natal position. There you can see in, in, in just four years, it's going to be exactly on its natal position, but it's, and this is an 84 year cycle. So this is the third time that it's, it's, it's uh, come around. And so basically the Uranus return, because there's a, the, these are, several year transits, these are overlapping. We're basically going through the Pluto return and the Uranus return at the same time. Um, so we can come back to, to uh, me, me speaking now. Uh, and what I want to convey is the fact that um, the Pluto return, it, because Pluto relates to death and rebirth, uh, destruction and renewal, this is what our whole nation is going through. And, um, I mean, clearly what we are going through is unprecedented in our, in our, uh, nation's history. The degree of both the challenge to democracy and the, um, the clashing wills to power and at the same time, um there's this potential for a, a new birth and particularly with the uranus return coming in at the at, at overlapping with it and moving in towards the later part of the decade becoming exact um you know the first uranus return uh for the united states took place in the 1860s when lincoln um Freed the, uh, the African Americans, the enslaved peoples, and, um, declared that our nation was going to have a new birth of freedom. Uh, and see, that's the new birth of freedom. That's very Uranian uh, language. And for the, that Uranus return, we're again going through that now as well. And because I, I'm, I'm focusing on this because the United States is basically a kind of elephant in the room on the, on the surface of the planet. Uh, it, it decisions that it makes upheavals that it goes through, they ripple out, they affect the rest of the world. Um, whether it's the, the, eco- the ecology of the, of the global biosphere or whether it's other um, political movements and governments and decisions that they make, et cetera, it, it ripples out. Um, and so for, this nation to be going through that deep of a transformational um, death and rebirth. And no, none of us really know exactly what form this is going to take. We certainly feel the, the clashing energies that are at work um, and at the, both wanting a moral center to hold in the country through this great transition. And at the same time, recognizing how profound a uh, a redemption this country needs i mean and pluto returns tend to bring up the shadow uh to be looked at um the the wounds uh uh that have have been um su- suppressed from the the public consciousness um and to and to really face i think i think we all recognize that the shadow of us history is more Apparent to more people now than it ever has been, and that's a good thing um, because just as the same thing in our own individual lives, uh, before we can move forward, we we have to we have, we have to do deep inner work and we have to face the shadow of our own uh, our own behavior in the past of our, our the the less um, integrated and and less noble parts of ourselves that we have to. Engage those and bring them to consciousness before they can be released and that 's what this is about um, I think the the country has the potential uh with transits like this to undergo as radical a uh, a transformation perhaps it'll be constitutional uh, that would be very uh, that would be a blessing um, but uh, a, a lot's at stake, and it's it's an enormous uh, transformation and potential new birth that this country is going through over this next decade. And uh, I, e- even though it's one country, it happens to be one that it, um, affects all of us, whether we're living in in uh, in, in France or Ukraine hmm. or in Africa or uh, Brazil.
0: So true, yeah. Rick. Thank you so much. And, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of that Carl Jung quote. He says, we will become our opposite if we do not learn to accommodate the opposition within us. And I wonder if if Kenny or Tish, if you have any words to offer on either that or what what Rick was just speaking about, about the polarization um, that's happening now.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to insert one quick thing, which is that I know we're at time now for our 90 minutes before we transition to Q and A. Um, what I would like to suggest, we wanted to do this first cosmic weather report webinar and see how it goes and see how if you all like it out there. Um, but we we think it could would be worthwhile to do an entire uh, webinar on the, the U.S. chart and um, the Pluto and Uranus returns. So let us know if you think that's a good idea. And I would love to hear what Tish has to say as kind of a wrap up to this segment.
2: Well, we recognize that every Orisha, every energy has both a light and a shadow side, right? And in many, many uh, indigenous traditions, we placate the shadow side, you know? we uh, we We ask for, we recognize it, right? We recognize it in ourselves, and we ask to be cleansed. In Yoruba tradition, we actually have a ritual where we feed your shadow because it's hungry and it's running around eating people up. So we feed it to tame it. We actually have um, a ritual wherein we do that. If somebody's behaving in a way that they consciously don't intend to, We say the shadow is eating it up. It's eating that person up. We really need to do a a feeding, a cleansing, and a feeding of the shadow of these major um, powers. I have to say this. I have to say this. From my point of view, Donald Trump is leading the parade of dictators, okay? I have watched uh, around the world people mimicking the dishonesty, you know, mimicking the, the the division, the I mean, just the senseless behavior. And we have to admit that this is political adolescence at work. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. It's not all right to do wrong just to be popular or just to be Connected to somebody who's in power, you know, we really need to grow up because if we don't mama gonna lay us down, you see, and that's what I keep trying to get people to to understand is that we're adolescents, you know, we are in an adolescent state, and we need to grow up.
4: May the farce be with you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) we are almost at time. Uh, We will be moving into our Q&A, but before we do, to sum up a lot of what we've touched on this evening, we're going to roll a clip from episode 10, the final episode of the Changing of the Gods docuseries.
1: You know, Stan Grof has called the archetypal astrology the, the Rosetta Stone of the of the human psyche. It provides this extraordinary insight into what are the deeper forces at work at any given time in a person's life. It's fantastic to have a kind of cosmic weather report. Let's say you're going out sailing or surfing. It's very nice to know which way the winds are blowing, how powerful they are. All that's very helpful to know. Towards the end of this Uranus-Pluto square, in 2018 through 2020-21, Saturn is going to move into a conjunction with Pluto, and then squaring Uranus. It does bring those three archetypal principles into intense interaction. What one would expect typically is a confrontation with the reality principle. There's a contraction, there's a coming down to earth, there's a coming home to roost of the chickens. It tends to be a serious time, it tends to be a time that concentrates people's minds because of the gravity of what's happening. We'll need to confront as never before how industrial civilization has been treating the rest of the Earth community. We as a planet are confronting mortality. Near-death experiences have tremendous power to reconfigure moral values. You see life differently, you see yourself differently, you, you have new values come up. As Saturn interacts with Uranus, The 2021-22 period is a critical turning point when the past meets the future with great force. We need to institute rapid but skillful fundamental changes under these transits, or else sudden breakdowns can happen as dysfunctional structures suddenly collapse altogether. We have to carry what's most valuable from the past and discern what's most promising from the future and then bring these into practical form in all our life structures. This period could bring deep structural changes such as a Green New Deal, truly globalizing the New Deal of the 30s, or the spread of rights of nature governance structures. This can set the stage for the rest of the 2020s, when we'll have the benefit of Uranus moving into the more harmonious 120-degree trine alignment to Pluto. This particular aspect tends to indicate potentially greater flow and harmony so that the same archetypal forces that have been unleashed through the clash of the Uranus-Pluto square may then work together in more confluent ways.
0: As we enter the 2020s, Richard Tarnas says that the powerful archetypal energies of the Uranus-Pluto square won't turn off like a light switch. They will continue to flow with a full head of turbulent steam that's already saturating the collective psyche. As Saturn has entered the epical climax of this long Uranus-Pluto period, this alignment represents a civilizational stress test. What can feel like a permanent five alarm emergency is a distress signal that massive change is inescapable. It's exactly such times that can bring forth the moral courage and deep insight with which we can confront great dangers and powerful forces to transform a world in crisis.
4: The world hangs on a thin thread. And that is the psyche of man.
1: A fundamental changing of the gods seems to be at work right now. Our whole understanding of the human being, of men's and women's relationship to each other, of the different cultures and races and peoples, of the earth, of evolution, of the cosmos, of our relationship to the larger community of life, Our future deeply depends on what level of consciousness and engagement we bring to this historical moment to bring forth the best possible results.
0: What a beautiful clip. And for those of you still with us, and I hope you are because we're about to move into Q&A, I'd like to tell you where you can watch the series. You can rent or purchase it at changingofthegods.com. It's on many of the major platforms. You can find it on Amazon, Vimeo, iTunes. But just know that if you go to changingofthegods.com, not only will you get a lot more information about the series, you can easily rent or purchase the series. And I really encourage you to do that. It is just so well done so moving on to Q&A, thank you to all of you who've put questions into the Q&A box. We have one from, from Wade, and Wade says, Richard and Becca, you were talking about the importance of knowing our personal transit so that we can help bring out the noble aspects of the planetary archetypes at play as opposed to being at the whim of the shadow aspects could you give us an example or two of how to work with our personal transits in this way? Great question.
1: Becca, why why don't you uh, take a run at it? You you have lots of experience.
3: Well, in terms of working with your personal transits, it's, it is helpful first to know the world transit context because you know, the larger uh, framework that you're working within, but then how, those larger transits align with our personal birth chart will show what area of our life that's going to show up in. Let's say this Jupiter-Uranus alignment, it happens to be lining up on your Venus, then that might bring a great deal of of inspiration in the artistic field or in terms of, you know, creation of music or painting, or, you know, you might not even be an artist and suddenly that's awakened in you Um, or Venus, which also relates to, to love and romance and the heart might awaken that kind of blossoming in, in a new relationship or the reinvigoration of a relationship that you're, that you're already in. Um, You know, conversely, if you have, um, a world transit crossing your sun, you might feel very personally identified with that. And whereas if it's aligning, say, on your Mars, you might feel more uh fired up to take action and feel more anger in response. Like, why is all this rage coming through me in response when that might not be what is happening for others in the closest proximity to you so that's really those particular personal planetary alignments are going to show um where in our lives this comes through more how we're going to respond to it and what our personal participation is in that and um ways to do that to get to know that more unless you're already a practicing astrologer is get a reading or several readings from um good astrologers who can guide you in that way and having several readings is helpful because you get a multiplicity of perspectives and uh, you don't just kind of take as doctrine one astrologer's viewpoint but you actually get a variety of perspectives on the same astrological phenomena so um yeah definitely recommend getting a reading yes rick
1: um, I'll just add to that. Uh, I think, uh, particularly, I, I, I sense that Wade is asking for um, also a sense for like if, what would be an example of uh, what we can do to bring out the the more uh, noble side of, a, of an alignment too, uh, in, in, instead of acting out its shadow form. And let's take that Saturn opposite Neptune or Saturn conjunct Neptune that's coming up um, uh, in the middle years of this decade. Uh, and you know one if some of those uh feelings that that becca brought up that might might involve a sense of the distance between one's aspirations and ideals and what the reality is and the and the sense of um you know perhaps uh, melancholy or sadness or 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 a sense even of uh yeah, just that there's a a loss about that, that grasp, about that gap. If, if you have those feelings coming up and you kind of are aware that, oh, well, this is kind of what that, that's one side of what this archetypal energy is about. And that allows us to kind of bless the emotion, welcome it when it comes in so that it can be released. Because if we just suppress it, it's just going to linger until we finally let it in the door. Um, and, uh, uh, but the other side of it is by knowing the uh, some of the other ways in which that same archetypal complex can be enacted, we can, for, for example, Becca mentioned the importance and the value of, uh, of a serious spiritual practice. It's a very good transit for, uh, prayer, for meditation, um, for, uh, focusing one's consciousness in, in, in a particular way, and also, uh, it it's something to keep in mind. This is the last thing I'll say about this. It's only in um the seed in order to grow has to be in the darkness underground. And that's the way, that's the way f- faith and hope work too. They, 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 they are faith grows in the, in the darkness. It, it, it doesn't grow in the, in the bright sun. There's no need for it. You're already there. All, everything's great. You know, Beethoven's Ode to Joy is happening and the birds are singing. Um, But it's, it's, it's during those times when, uh, when, when is, is encountering some like a, like a, the dark night of the soul or, or, or just, you know, everyday kind of um, disillusionment to know that by that, that's a time when the, the kind of Saturnian fortifying of one's faith in, in a higher ideal, one's hope for a greater future, um, can be, that's when the muscle is built. It, and, uh, cause it, 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 it's built when there are stresses, when, when you're moving against, um, you know, a, a muscle needs to work against, you know, resistance. That's how muscles are, are, uh, are amplified. Okay, so just thought I'd add that as a, a, one example among many of ways to bring out the higher form of, of a particular uh, archetypal energy.
0: Wonderful. On that same note, Tish, we have a question for you, which is, how can I strengthen my relationship to the unseen world and the archetypes?
2: Mm-hmm. So, honestly, people the first thing you have to do is shut down your monkey mind. Okay? The mind that's always jibber-jabbering at you. (laughs) You know, the critical one, the blah, blah, No. Honestly, the simplest thing you can do is sit down with a clear glass of water and a candle. Shut down your monkey mind, right? Stop jibber-jabbering and ask your spirit, to speak to you. You know, I'm oversimplifying right now because I teach this in a nine-week course. But that's the beginning to get still and quiet. Like I said earlier, Yemaya, the mother of the ocean, tells us to, before we take any action, we need to sit and meditate. We need to sit and meditate. We need to sit and let spirit speak to us, okay? That's the very, very beginning. The other, and I can't I can't uh, say right now because it's cold, but to walk barefoot on the earth, right, and recognize your kinship to the grass and the trees and the wind and the birds and see yourself not above it, but a part of it, to learn how to listen to what the crickets are saying to you, you know, I think that this false sense of superiority that we have as human beings really, really gets in the way. It assumes uh, that we know everything, that we are everything, that we can control everything. And most often, especially for those of us who are educated, it teaches us to silence the voice of spirit that is uh, never going to help you to grow. It's never going to help you to grow. It's not complex. It's just a matter of being willing to open that third eye, what we call Iwaju, the eye of character, and allow the light to shine on the path in front of you. And somebody asked that that course is called Cracking the Ancestral Code. And I only teach it in fall because that's the season
4: when the ancestors are walking free. do you want to mention also, I think your new book is about to come out and don't you have an online event on Saturday? Oh,
2: yes, 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 yes. It's called A Calabash of Calories. And in African tradition, the whole universe is a calabash and it's full of calories. That is the thing that we use to make our way in this world. This book, My editor says it took me four years to do it. It is full of my favorite stories from the sacred orature, and I highlight the characters who ordinarily left out. I connect it to the natural world. Uh, I provide rituals to help you to embody the meaning of um, of the story and also recommend actions that you can take. So on Saturday, I'm gonna one of the stories I'm gonna read is The Mermaid's Lover. <laughs> and if you like the Mermaid's Lover, I want you to go down to the ocean and clean up the trash there and feed the ocean and and look at your dreams and allow yourself some of that Neptunian stuff we've been talking about.
0: Ah, oh, perfect. Yay all right, we have one last question from Jennifer, and Jennifer asks what about Pluto and Jupiter transit
1: I mean basically the Jupiter Pluto energy is uh um, is something that is really helps in in leadership and in uh, coming into one's depths uh, for uh, being able to lift up and regenerate uh, in a, in a, in a, in a way the um, let's see. So are you able to, yeah. So you're able to go forward. So you you can, yeah. everybody can see where Jupiter is right now. We're in a Venus Jupiter conjunction.
3: Go see it. If you have clear skies, which probably none of us do.
1: <laughs> yes. It was visible here last night uh, with the moon, uh, not too far away. In fact, you can see at this moment, if the, if it is a clear sky in, in California, you would be able to see Venus and Jupiter and the moon uh, and then Mars far overhead, those people who are further East and in Europe, et cetera, the, the, this is already set. Um, but let's go forward. We can see where, see where Jupiter is right now. And um, the next tra- transit that it will uh, make to Pluto Will be the the, the square um, w- when it gets to the end of Aries. You could just go forward by the month, uh, and and people can just see how this works. So as soon as it gets uh, mm-hmm. up, yeah, just go forward uh, one. There we go. So yeah, there it is. There you can see. There's the square Jupiter at one, Taurus, Pluto's at zero. Uh, Aquarius so there's a Jupiter Pluto <clears throat> energy at work one does have to watch out for with Jupiter Pluto um, a tendency to uh, uh either take the moral high ground of uh thinking of one's superior uh, one's superior to everybody else kind of the way Tish was talking about the the sh- the shadow of modern homo sapiens particularly modern man if i might uh put the um traditional uh <laughs> Patriarchal gender on on it that that false sense of superiority over the rest of nature that came in with uh, much of modernity uh, that is a um, that's a danger with the the Jupiter Pluto energy as a sense of superiority uh, or taking on larger uh, almost projects almost like with a greed for greater and greater expansion or wealth or whatever but uh, as I say this is a very Positive energy even in in a square opposition for um uh, the the forwarding of the deep dive, the descent, and then the emergence to the height see the descent is Pluto, the Jupiter is the elevation um, and and the successful emergence out of the dive into the underworld and so it's you see it very often for powerful um psycho psychological transformations that people go through as well as moral transformations that a uh, a nation can go through but yeah, so we're, we're we're touching on it. I mean, and Jupiter will try and Pluto in, in, in another year after that. It, it just lasts a, a shorter time than a lot of these other transits that we've been talking about. But since you brought it up, that's a couple words about it.
0: That's great. Oh, thank you, Rick. You know, with everything that we've covered this evening, I'm left feeling like we can do this. I feel hopeful about the next 10 years. And I hope that everybody who's been watching on Zoom or on YouTube this evening feels the same way. In closing, I'd like to thank our participants, uh, all of you viewers. I'd also like to thank our panelists, Becca Tarnas, Rick Tarnas, Yeyeh Luisa Tish, Kenny Ausubel, of course, and a shout out to our partners, Astro Gold, Unlock Astrology, Jennifer Freed Astrology, Astrology University, Stephen Forrest, The Astrology Podcast, Rachel Lang Astrology, The Myth Salon, The Organization for Professional Astrology, and Astrology Hub. We're so grateful for your partnership and I would love to turn it over now to series creator Kenny Ozobel Kenny I know that people would like to hear more about Pioneers where many thought leaders such as those that are featured in the film convene each year and and also anything else you would like to share with our viewers
4: Thank you so much Tayana well, I learned so much tonight, and it's such an honor and a delight to be with my three friends here who are so wise and so knowledgeable. And we all know each other a little bit after spending years together on the film. So um I just love the flow and the, the kind of synchronicity that happens in these kinds of conversations. Um One thing I would say is uh I'll make a deal with you all. You know, let us know what you thought of this. This was an experiment. If we should do more, tell us. And if we're going to do more, I'll make a deal with you, which is please help promote awareness of the film. Um, it's available, as Tiana said, on our website, but also on Amazon, YouTube, iTunes. It's cheap. It's 15 bucks, I think, to rent it and 20 to buy it. Um, please tell everybody and their mother, as independent filmmakers, it's so hard to get the word out about these things. So we really need your help. And you know i 'm a big believer in the value of these kind of public conversations, and these are things that sometimes happen at the kitchen table. But to be able to have this conversation in public in this way I believe has a real impact and influence in the world and gets us all thinking and talking to our friends and and moving it into the world you know doing doing things because of what we 've learned here. So, um, and Tiana mentioned Bioneers. We have our annual conference, which is an extraordinary event, um, happening April 6th through the 8th in Berkeley, California. It's a large event. Um, many of the people in the film that you've seen will be there. Many others, um, other people can probably speak better to Bioneers than I can, but it's practical and visionary solutions for restoring people and planet. And it's really focused on, um, you know, the revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. So bineers.org is our website. And we would love, if you do come to the conference, please come and say hello. We'll be there. Um, and I'm very grateful, Tayana, for your lovely job moderating. And, you know, it was the entrepreneur's mantra, get your ducks in a row before you let the cat out of the bag, right? So we let the cat out of the bag and we're still here. That's good. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Kenny. I'd also like to thank our Zoom tech, Jeffrey Kinn, as well as Theo Badashi and Maximilian Diarman who have been uh, tremendously supportive in allowing this webinar to happen.
4: Theo is the uh, lead editor for the film and Max is the other producer. Without whom, this film would not exist. So Mm -hmm. huge props. And there are other people on the film, but Max and Theo are right there at the top, so.
0: Huge props. Thank you, everybody. Peace and blessings. Be well. Until next time, and spread the word.
4: Indeed. That's love.